Listening Dog Media. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it was somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Him. Never before. Hello and welcome to Seaman Says, where today we're joined by a man who scored over 2,000 runs for England during his cricket career. Please welcome Mark Ramprakash. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're very good and very smug, aren't we, after the weekend? Oh, yes. <laughs> lots to enjoy, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was. Uh, I was just saying to the guys that I was. I was at the game, and it was. It was pretty special. It was a great atmosphere. Um, but what, what's what's your thoughts being on Arsenal this season so far? I mean, it, look, it's um, it's been really enjoyable. I think uh, to see um, so many things come together. Really, I mean, you can see that as a group, they're pr- they're pretty tight, aren't they? And they're they're enjoying it and they're playing with a smile on their face, which is um, it, which you would say is easy to do when you're winning matches, of course. <laughs> but there's no there's no doubt that that togetherness, I think, is helping them and. Um, you're seeing it on the pitch. You're, you're seeing high-quality football at pace. They're moving the ball quickly. Uh, they, you know, they look more solid at the back. They're just as a group. They're really tight, and and also it's the players that come in as well. So it was really nice to see someone like Reese Nelson come in, and and uh, you know, then when when players who are, who are sort of on the edge or the periphery of the team, when they start to do that, then you really start to get very excited that they Arsenal can achieve something special this year yeah like, like I was just saying to the guys that when um, when Reese Nelson came on for Saka he'd been on for quite a while right and I was sat next to someone and I was like he's not really impacting the game and he, it, the sub could get subbed <laughs> literally within five seconds he scored his first goal then he scores another <laughs> one then as an assist I'm like yeah. don't think he'd be getting yeah. subbed this time <laughs> yeah you know Arteta said after the game that you know he completely deserves his opportunity and yeah I guess um, you know these guys are, are, are comfortable in training, but when they when they don't get much opportunity to play in front of sixty thousand at the Emirates, it's a big it's a big big thing. And confidence is so important. And um, hopefully, you start to really see 
his potential now in future games. What's been your favourite performance, your favourite Arsenal performance so far? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the, North, the North London derby always comes to mind, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? I'm afraid, I'm afraid that that has to be... Um, has to be right up there just because yeah obviously the occasion and, and what it means to everyone involved and also of course you know Tottenham have, have had a, a, a certainly at that point they were they were flying high and they were playing well and uh, they were getting results not necessarily playing well but they were getting results weren't they and um, they, they look very very solid and they're tough to break down and you know they've got Son and uh, Harry Kane who are who are always up front, you know, lurking and, and go down quite easily near uh, near the Arsenal frontier. <laughs> and, uh, quite right. That's, that's, Give them some steep ramps. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that, you know, they're always a threat, you know, um, uh, up up the end of the, uh, up the Arsenal end, you know. So um, no, I think that was a special victory. And of course, you know, for the players, I'm, I'm imagining gives them huge belief when they play well on a on a big occasion like that. What's what's your favourite North London derby memory? Um, God, I don't know. I mean, in a way, it's it's, it's yes. I mean, the four all is not my is not my favourite. That is for sure. <laughs> it sticks in the memory. Bloody hell! <laughs> um, that, that's uh, that's yeah. That's not um, that's not my favourite. Yeah. I think. Um, Win it, win the league, winning the league probably has to be. Yeah, you know, uh, and I, I wasn't involved in that one, and and I still yeah. remember that loads. And and one of the best the, or the funniest things that I remember the most is like Arsenal players were told not to celebrate too much on the pitch because if they win the league yeah. at White Hart Lane, the, there could be trouble. And the Arsenal players were like, "Get lost!" <laughs> and they just gave it loads. Of course, you're gonna do it. You know, you win the league yeah. at White Hart Lane, you're bound to celebrate. What a stupid thing to say to our ask to ask the Arsenal players. I was like. Really, I've got like lots of like good memories. I've got you know some bad ones, especially the semi final in my first season when we got beat three one with Gaza's free kick and Lineker's goals. Um, but yeah, North London derbies are really special. I, I just felt that mm. it's, it's it's one for the fans, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I I think uh, you know there's been so much history between the two clubs, so many great players between the two clubs, and of course. Um, you know, when we were flying high under Arsene Wenger, you know, you sort of, I used to kid my my mates that to say, well, look, you know, it's it's Tottenham's biggest game of the season, but it's not Arsenal's. <laughs> 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 I like it. But look, going looking ahead to to Chelsea as well. You know, we've got Chelsea this weekend, so you know, there's been some big games there. And I was just telling the guys earlier about when Canoe scored his hat trick when we were two 0 down, and Nigel Winterburn it's in a long range shot for us to win. You know. Just great memories of playing Chelsea as well. Yes, um, well, I, I've had mixed memories of going to Stamford Bridge because Alex Stewart is a very good friend of mine, and he <laughs> is the most one-eyed Chelsea fan you've ever come across. And I, <laughs> I sit. He's taken me a couple of, t- well, probably two or three times. And I saw. Um, I was lucky enough to see uh, when Scolari came and managed Chelsea, and he decided to play John Terry in a very high line, and uh, right. Arsenal won five five three. And it was, I had to sit on my hands, obviously, and just sort of keep my head down as Arsenal kept kept scoring. Um, that was a very fond memory. I did go to the game, actually, where um, we were 2-0 down. And then in about the 14th minute, um, I, th- I think it was Kieran, it, it was either Oxlade-Chamberlain handballed it and Kieran Gibbs got sent off or the other way round. The, right. the, um, the referee got it uh, oh, mixed yeah, up. I remember that. A player yeah, got sent off. Uh, and so 
in the 14th minute, a player got sent off. In the 15th minute, there was a penalty. They scored that. So we're 3-0 down. And we're down to 10 men after 15 minutes. Now, I had a choice. You know, I could either get up and walk out, in which case I'd never hear the end of it. Or I had to endure the, the next 75 minutes. So I stuck to I stuck at it. Only probably because, you know, I was looking forward to a bit of food and a drink after the game. I did... I, I did stay there, to my credit. But uh, yeah, mixed fortunes uh, against Chelsea, certainly. And how are you when it comes to watching England, Mark? Well, watching England as in uh, England. Now, are we talking cricket or football now? Football now. So we've got the World Cup on the horizon. (laughs) Football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Okay. yeah. Uh, Because, no, I mentioned, because obviously cricket, uh, there's a Cricket World Cup going on at the moment. Um, In the football, I... I, um, I'm friends with Alan Smith, the uh, ex-Crystal um, Palace manager, mm-hmm. uh, who's also very close friends with Gareth Southgate. And I've watched from afar, you know, Gareth Southgate's career as a manager um, because it's, I, I find that sort of interesting and to know he's going into such a high-profile job. H- how do you cope with uh, the, the constant media uh, exposure and spotlight, um, managing big players, and also the the difficulties of being a country manager as opposed to a club where you don't see the players very often. And how do you... I think he's done a, a fantastic job of changing the culture of the England team. They've got, they got that togetherness. He's brought through a lot of young players. You know, he's obviously done well in the tournaments. Uh, of course, it's just that final step, isn't it? You know, that, that we all want them to take. You know, they, they've been a bit quiet, haven't they, recently, I think, in in terms of goals scored in some of their recent matches. But um, I th- if you can just, you know, take that final step, unlock what all that potential that we think that they have as a group and just get over the line, it would mean so much. And it, even if it's an ugly 1-0 mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a final. Man, even if it's a 10-9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's just yeah. a win. Think, we um, just, it's know, just a win are, that matters. I think they are very close. What I love about Gareth is that the way that he's being England manager, he's doing it his own way. And I think that's what the fans are seeing now. You know, his character's coming through. The love he's got as England manager as well. He received an award at the Legends of Football Awards and... Um, the speech that he gave at the end of it was honestly, it gave you goosebumps, you know, because it just showed you how much it meant to him, how much it means to his family as well. You know, the fact that he's England manager and the passion that he had for just to try and, like what you said, to try and just get England over that line to win a trophy. Because, and I've always said it, you know, I want to be around when England win a trophy because it's going to be one hell of a party. Yeah, absolutely. I, and also, I mean, something that stands out, you know, just watching from afar, and obviously, David, you'll know a lot better than I am, but, you know, managers have their different styles of players. And it just looks to me like um, Gareth. Um, He's been through some testing situations and he's developed really close relationships with the players, very caring, supportive type relationships. You know, other managers can be perhaps a bit stern or authoritarian, um, but it looks like he's uh, the mod- the more modern day managers, uh, even in football, perhaps uh, that they they seem to really try and build a, a trusting, caring relationship relationship with the players. And um, it looks like the young players, particularly in the England fold, have responded to that. Do you think that it's inevitable that when you're England manager, you will develop favourites? Because Gareth very early on set out his stall and said he would only pick players on form. But I think we've had a few occasions, and of course he's earned that because he's had such success, but he's got his reliable players that we know that he's gone to that haven't necessarily been in form in recent 
friendlies. Um, do you think that that's just a given with any any managerial situation? Yeah, I, th- I think it is, and the reason is is that um, you know what 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 managers and selectors see in players is subjective. Um, and you know, uh, if if that player happens to perform well on a certain day when the manager, coach, or selector is watching it, then you know they they um, uh, they perhaps earn a bit of credit in the bank. Um, and I think uh, you know Gareth uh, or any manager uh, will, will have uh, an idea of what his best side is, and um, and and they develop a certain amount of trust in the players. That the players can carry out perhaps um, the type of game plans that the manager or coach wants. So I think that is inevitable. Um, and I think uh, whilst that can produce stability uh, and consistency of selection, which helps the players, uh, at the same time, I think the best managers have people within their support staff who can challenge and can say, actually, hold on, boss, um, are we really sure about this one? Here's the evidence. Um, and, uh, you know, they may change their mind or they may not. Um, but I think the best the best leadership teams do have people who can can challenge the boss um, and add something to, to that. So that if it, if it, if it is that um, a tried and tested player over a period of time has been on the wane, then there obviously does come to that point where they, they may look elsewhere. Um, so... Uh, it's sort of a double-edged sword, really. You know, I've seen that in cricket as well, uh, where um, it's a it's a tricky moment when you've had a player who has performed on the world stage and being stood up to the pressures of it, but they do go off form. You know, when to leave them out? Um, it, it's a tricky decision. Uh, I was going to ask you that. Are there, are there a lot of similarities in in uh, in the cricket side of it, where you'll get players that are doing brilliantly for their counties? But then it's the next step that's playing for England, you know, and that's what you get with a lot of the footballers is where they're brilliant for their club teams, but the next step is they're, they're, they're not used to that pressure. Do you, do you get that in cricket a lot? Yeah, without doubt. And it's really hard to describe the pressure uh, of playing for your country, uh, the spotlight that comes with that. And of course, you know, if you're playing for Arsenal in front of big crowds every week in the Premier League, you're used to playing in pressure environments. Um but uh, as I mentioned in in football, it seems to be that they they come together. They really don't have uh, much time to kind of bond and get that togetherness. And if you look at the cohesion that Arsenal played with against Forest, how do you get a group of players that come together from all different clubs uh, for a couple of games? Uh, how do you get that cohesion? Um, I think in cricket, it's probably slightly easier because when you get selected for England, I mean we've got these central contracts for England now. Uh, that have been in place for well, close to 20 years. And so what that does is um, it gives the players, uh, and there are, well, I think, over 20 contracts in um, to, to, in different types of uh, matches, formats. But um, what it does, it gives those players the, the emphasis to look at the international calendar and, and the opposition they're going to play against. And that they will be together and that will be their main focus. So they won't be thinking about playing for their county. So the right. core players for England, like Root, Stokes, Broad, Anderson, they are constantly thinking about international cricket um, and, the, and the, the opposition that they're going to play against. I think for the new players who are going to be selected, that is, that is you know, finding that jump to county cricket to then international cricket is huge. 
yeah. is, is absolutely huge. And, and you can never really know how a player is going to react. You never quite know. You know, you've got some... So Asda Cook was picked at, at 21 and got 100 on debut. Um, yes, he, he'd, he'd impressed as a young player, but you, no one could sort of foresee that he, he would go in and perform so well straight away. Um, and there are other players who, uh, you know, can come in and you, th- you think, yeah, yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna go well. And actually, you know, it can take time for them to sort of find their feet. So it's, um, you're never quite sure how, the, how people will take yeah. it. Uh, but the, there's no doubt that the jump is, is much, is very, very more, more different in cricket than it is in football. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, you know, a central contract, does that mean that they just get paid by England or do they get paid by England and their county or their club? What, what happened way back in... Um... 2000 it was ECB gave out 12 central contracts which meant that uh, the players salaries were paid by the central body the ECB and not by their counties oh. and therefore um, th- they were regarded as for that summer pretty much I mean there were 12 month contracts but certainly for the summer as a player if you were involved in that group you you weren't thinking about playing for your county all your preparation and training uh, and the scheduling, you were looking at the international calendar, and that right. that was that was very different to what had gone before that. I remember my test debut. I found out on teletext uh, <laughs> whether I was going to, you know, I'd been selected, uh, whether I was selected for England. And uh, <laughs> you're too young to remember teletext, aren't you? But uh, I'm uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not either. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I, I I'm surprised to hear that. I. I uh, I, 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 you know, it was funny because on the Sunday you used to look at, they used to announce it around midday on a Sunday. So you'd be, you, if you thought you might be close, you know, you used to look on teletext and see the news. And that's how I found out. And I went up to my test debut. It was the first um, uh, test match of the, of the summer. And, um, you know, you, you went up there and I hadn't met a lot of the players before, let alone sort of know how they played and stuff. And, uh, you know, you sort of played the game, you did your best, uh, but you really didn't know when you were saying goodbye to everyone, you didn't really know whether you'd see them at the next test match, but <laughs> kept you on your toes. Yeah. So really England are actually loaning out their players to the counties. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And, and that's a, that's a really good comparison because it used to be that, um, yeah, you, the, the county, you, you, your emphasis and your concentration was on your county. And if you got picked for England, it was a bit of a bonus. It, yeah. That has flipped now. And, and there's right. no doubt that it's in, hugely helped England's uh, fortunes in the international arena. Yeah. yeah. And looking looking back at the, well, not looking back, still uh, that's happening now, the T20. Um, how much of a shock was the Ireland result to you? Not really that much of a shock, I've got to be honest. Some people might might have been, uh, I, I wasn't, because T20 is the biggest leveller in cricket in the formats. You know, um, I think uh, you, it, it, people love it because it's, it's sort of two and a half hours, it's action, you know, the players have got to go for it um, and you get a result at the end of it. And so it is the biggest leveller and, and 
within this tournament, you know, we saw that even a, a country, not a country, it's a group of players, the West Indies, you know, didn't even make the final two groups. Um, and that's because, you know, it's pretty hit and miss type cricket. And if someone has a good night, you know, they can they can win. And a lot of the other countries who, who wouldn't be considered the main countries, they've had such good coaching and practice and preparation and they've developed those skills required in that format, T20. You know, they can, all the batters are powerful guys. They can hit sixes. Um, the fielding's good. You know, they're very athletic in the field. So they, they kind of make it up, you know. And so um, Ireland thoroughly deserved that victory, I thought. I thought they played really well on the day. And it was rain affected as well, I know, but um, also. But then, how frustrating must it have been for when England knew that they would have, they would have to win against Australia, and then that for you know to be affected by rain again? You know what what sort of mindset are they in now, where they need to? Is it they need to win the next two games to guarantee um, qualification? Yeah, they do actually. They do, and I think the England camp will be hugely frustrated because they've been pe- preparing and playing matches. Uh, to you know, for this tournament, and and they are very fa- very much fancied, and rightly so. They have a terrific chance of winning the tournament. Um, they've got depth all the way down the batting. They've got bowling options. Um, you know the the, the spin. Uh, it, they, they've got a threat in in Mo and Ali uh, there as well. I I, I think um, they will be hugely frustrated with the way things have worked out. But the island game, they they lost by. Um, the, the sort of the, this system called the Duckworth Lewis, which works out if rain intervenes, you know where the current scores were, where Ireland were at, where England were at, and the sort of rate that they needed to be at. They were five runs behind, which is one hit really. Yeah. And Moen Ali was going well. If the rain hadn't come, I'm sure England would have fancied their chances of knocking it off. But um, uh, and then to have the match against Australia washed out, you know, it kind of on the on the one hand it gives them one point and it keeps them alive. Because they could have gone out if they'd lost that. Yeah. Pretty- yeah. Um, so it does keep them alive, but it does. Yeah, it means that uh, I suppose it gives the players clarity. You know, they've, they've got two games, two group games. They have to win them. Hmm. So they, it, there's no room for doubt, or you know, they have to go for it. Now that happened in the 2019 World Cup when England, um, in the last couple of group games, they had to win the group games. Yeah. And in a way, it, it can give you clarity as a player that you know you, to to go about your business. So. New Zealand and Sri Lanka, yeah. I mean, the New Zealand, they are in form. They, they're actually, they've had a couple of very good victories and they're in form. I, I would I would expect uh, England to have too much for Sri Lanka in the, the type of conditions yeah. that the tournament is being played in, which has helped the fast bowlers. But um, New Zealand, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a tough, tough group and uh, they've been consistent. They've been playing good cricket in all formats for, for quite some time. So have England got to beat New Zealand and Sri Lanka to get above them? Yeah. But what what happens if if another game's washed out? Is that bad news for England? Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, Australia are playing Ireland at the moment, and right. I, I think Australia look like they've pretty much got that covered. So they they will probably win that game, and then I think they've got Afghanistan to play, which again you'd make them favourites. So they they at the moment, along with probably New Zealand, are looking favourites. Those two guys are looking favourites. Um, at the moment now England to have to uh, it, I mean it's still within England's hands if they beat New Zealand and beat Sri Lanka then 
then they're still in a very good position to go through. But uh, it's all getting a little bit tight. But, you know, Melbourne has seen a lot of rain. There's been quite a few games called off. And, mm -hmm. of course, you know, people have said, well, why on earth would you put it in Melbourne? Because the weather's known for being inconsistent, you know, especially at this time of the year. But uh, it's got the MCG, which seats 90,000 people. And so, you, you know, you make a few quid on the ticket sales. And, <laughs> uh, and so that's yeah. kind of why it's Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark, we've seen big money competitions appear in golf with Liv and that tournament and IPL in cricket. And the story of Super League in football hasn't completely gone away. It, it did disperse after some outcry from the public originally, but there apparently is still ongoing talks behind the scenes. How much do you think those bigger competitions have impacted the, the world of cricket from your experience uh, and taken away from what we would all consider to be the bread and butter of the sport? Well, Lindsay, that's a good question. Um, uh, that's a great question. Um, yes, well, I, I, I've got to be careful here because I, I, you know, I played a long time ago, and sometimes when I speak about these issues, you know, I can hear myself being a grumpy old man, um, <laughs> and and uh, and not, <laughs> you know, and not not embracing change. All right, um, I think I think there's a really tricky balance here you know right now i feel in cricket i mean the landscape has changed so dramatically in the last five years the ipl tournament which is staged in india started back uh, probably over 10 years ago uh, that the broadcasting rights are over five billion which i think is the second biggest um broadcasting um deal in the world for a sporting competition i think so um that that is huge that is just monumental money um and and so what's happened is uh, a lot of the countries have thought because that IPL is is uh, run by the Indian Cricket Board, um, and so a lot of countries have thought actually you know we'll have our own competition and uh, we know they've had one in Australia called the Big Bash we've had our own T Twenty, um, and now other competitions being set up in South Africa in UAE new competitions, and so they're all wanting a, a slice of the the pie um, and. You know, we're, we're seeing that wealthy Indian companies are buying up these franchises around the world. You know, that so in the Caribbean Premier League, Indian companies own teams in that. They own teams in the South African League, uh, as well as the IPL as well. So um, on the one hand, you have to welcome the money. Of course, you have to welcome the money. Uh, and of course, the players are certainly welcoming the money. They are being, you know, they're taking into a whole different league um, for, for cricket in terms of income. Um but um, I think um, what we've seen in the UK with this new competition in the 100 um, is I, w I would question the balance between looking after the, the game, looking after the game and its existing fan base, um, and also then um, trying to keep the game evolving and keep it relevant and interesting for, for, for people. And at the moment, I feel that all the decisions are being made in terms of how can we maximise profits. And that's not necessarily in the best interests of the game and keeping it healthy. So, for example, I've always been an advocate that uh, Test cricket uh, should run uh, concurrent or alongside uh, T20. Uh, and that, you, you know, you look after everyone. You know, there's a lot of traditional people who love Test cricket. Uh, and there's a lot of young people who like T20 and that both should coexist. Uh, but right now, our governing body, ECB, in my opinion, have done a lot more probably to um, devalue Test cricket, I think, uh, in some of their actions than, than a lot of other 
uh, cricket boards. And I think that's a great shame. It seems to be that money is determining our decisions. Uh, I think it's swung too much in favour of that. And I'd like to see that redressed a little bit. And there's been talk recently about our domestic structure and, uh, you know, they call it high performance, but really they're trying to reduce the number of first-class cricket matches in favour of the short format competitions, which are, are, are bringing in a, a lot of money, you see. So uh, that is a tricky balance. And I guess it's a, a similar thing in golf because, you know, we're seeing this live thing come in and they wanna, they're talking about teams and trying to revamp stuff. Um, I don't know. They will say, oh, it's, you know, the young people want a different format and you need to keep it evolving. But at the same time, we also really value what we have and and it's worked incredibly well for so long with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we let you go, I want a couple of questions. I wanted to ask you about being out on the wicket. Do you know who the fastest bowler you faced is or the fastest ball? I can remember very quick spells of fast bowling. Um, when when that particular athlete, you know, they get it right on the day and yeah. everything clicks, their rhythm their athleticism, their action is efficient and they just let rip, you know, and I can remember spells, you know, so 87, Malcolm Marshall, 89, Raza Makram, Alan Donald in the mid nineties and Brett Lee, you know, those were the quickest guys I think I faced. Right. Um, but uh, funnily enough, probably the most awkward competitor was Courtney Walsh, a fella uh, who's a West Indian guy, about six foot seven, long arms, very <laughs> awkward action, Mr. Um, bold long spells, always seemed to be bowling when I came into bat. You know, it was bloody annoying. Um, I could do with kicking him in the shin, really. And, um, but uh, he never got injured either. Uh, so he, he was probably the most awkward bowler. That I yeah. Are you actually looking for the ball out of their hands? Because I, I, I hear on commentary that they say about the seam, you know, being one way or the other. Or Can you actually see that in their hand when it's actually delivered? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and, you know, if we were at the crease together you know, playing for the Lord's Taverners or, or something. <laughs> Can't wait for you that. <laughs> we, 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 could, uh, we could have a good chat about that, actually. I mean, I, I always try to um, steal a look. So a lot of bowlers don't realise that when they turn around, they place the ball in their hand and actually give you a good view yeah. of their grip and how they're holding it. Um, and I would be looking for any little clue uh, as they run up. Um there's a lot of debate about this um, in cricket. You know, do you watch the hand? Because as a bowler runs in, uh, the action's so quick, it's very difficult to be yeah. so definite on watching the hand. And so a lot of people feel it actually goes into a sort of soft focus of a particular box, an area where you think the ball will, the hand will uh, come, across, come over yeah. and you're yeah. watching like a little box as a soft focus and that's when you sort of pick up the ball. But there's no doubt... I felt that you're trying to get an idea of what position the seam is in or the shiny side of the ball to give the batsman a little bit of a clue. Why don't you get many people bowling slow balls in test cricket? Well, it's a good question. Now, um, I think it's going to happen a bit more and more now because of the way people are batting. So mm. it, it used to be that people would um, 
run up uh, and just deliver sort of, you know, their skills very consistently, line and length, and not really have a lot of variations. And it was almost a battle of will, a battle of patience. Um, but because of, we've seen that, that the short format in cricket, you know, and the, the modern day players grow up playing the short format, they're now taking that aggressive play into test cricket. And we saw that this summer, you know, with England. And um, if, a, if a batsman starts hitting you regularly and you're just bowling the same ball, that's when you may start to need to introduce a change of pace. Yeah, exactly. So some of the things that we see in the white ball game in the short format, T20, which is a lot of, of variation of pace, that may well start to come into test cricket. Uh, if people just sort of want to bat in that very aggressive fashion. Brilliant. And one last question, right? So I looked on your thing and it, what is it? Blood axe or something? What's <laughs> that, yes. I was like, wow, that is some nickname, that. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I mean, it was bloody Angus Fraser's got a lot to answer for. It was him that coined that phrase. And um, he used to pick me up and I, I, you know, I couldn't drive. And I, as a 17 year old, I joined Middlesex in 1987 and we used to well we still live near each other and he used to pick me up and uh you know um we we had some forthright discussions in the car but also i think it was probably aimed at the fact that when i got out for a low score you know most people would vacate the dressing room because <laughs> I, I didn't take it particularly well um so he coined that phrase and it's followed yeah. me around really all right then. And then one last one. Snake hips. Was that before Strictly or after? Because if it's before Strictly, I want to know what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you mean. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the I mean, cr cricketers, uh, um, you know, in the old days when I first played, you know, we, we would uh, often play matches uh, and, uh, uh, we had something that would finish on the Saturday and then we'd have a different type of league called the Sunday League on a Sunday. And the matches would start two in the afternoon. So it meant that, you know, sometimes on a Saturday night, you know, we might pop out for a, a bit of a meal and then, you know, go on. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know. To the next round. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe there were a few moves <laughs> developed yeah. late on a Saturday night, possibly. But no, I, I think... Actually, we, we, we Strictly's on at the moment, of course, and the, yeah, you know, and our the, captain's um, doing really well, isn't he? Isn't he doing brilliantly? I I, um, I watched uh, last week when he did a cha 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 and had a few timing issues, um, <laughs> uh, which, which I can relate to. Uh, yeah. I can relate to that. Um, but he, this week he smashed it, absolutely brilliant. It and was interesting because they made they said that he put in a lot of time in the training, and that is just typical of a sportsman that that yeah. you know. If they're if, if they're not if it's not quite happening, they just throw themselves into it. And yeah. you know, a lot of people say with Strictly that you know it grabs you, and you, you kind of want to keep learning and and doing your best. And that's it. Looks like uh, Big Tony's uh, you know he's got stuck into the training, and it paid off this week because he did really yeah. really well. Got a good, really high score actually. I text Tony after his first show, and I said, "I bet that's the most nervous you've ever felt in your life." He went exactly. But were you the same on on the first show? Yeah, because yeah. you're totally out of your comfort zone, aren't you? Yeah, totally out of comfort zone. Oh my God, the first show. So I'll never forget because I was last on. And um, what you do, you go to the sh uh, you go to the BBC about nine in the morning and you sort of have a quite a relaxed morning, bit of a rehearsal, bit of lunch, then do a dress rehearsal and then you go live at whenever it is, 6.30. And um, 
I was last on and everyone else was going on and, and I, I just didn't know what to do with myself. The nerves, oh my God, um, <laughs> was it was just frightening. I mean, Goffey, I remember speaking to Goffey who'd been on the show before and um, he was said, oh, you know, you've got to do it, you'll have a great time. But he's a real extrovert guy. You know, you put yeah. the spotlight on him and he comes alive. I'm not like that. And it was actually, I remember Peter Schmeichel was on the show um, and um, I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to speak to Peter Schmeichel, you know, because, you know, Ian Wright, Peter Schmeichel, you know, <laughs> bit of argy, bit of argy bargy there. And I had yeah. to back up Wrighty, you know, I had to back up Wrighty there. But actually, he was really nice to me, yeah. uh, Peter Schmeichel. He came up to me and he, I was hiding in the corner, like not knowing what to do with myself, right? Yeah. Just before I was going on and he came up and, um, you know, was we had some words of encouragement, and uh, so then I, ha- I had to like him because you know that was very nice of him. And um, I think it's when you're waiting in the rings, and you know they announce your name, and you realise there's no going back, oh. and you've got to walk out there. And there was a studio audience then of probably about three hundred, but we found out on the Monday that nine million watched it. <laughs> you know, exactly. and then yeah. as you go through the competition, I think it was twelve million. <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea, no idea. And you're dressed up in that gear, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Yeah, it could, it could be worse. You could do the full Monty like our skipper did. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, the Cuban heels and the tight black trousers and the the uh, the open neck shirt. Of course, it's always so much fun when yeah. you watch these shows and you know someone, you know. And I've been campaigning for a long time that Mike Gatting, I think would be great <laughs> to do Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, let's get um, on that one. I'd like to see that as well. <laughs> With his dodgy knee. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Mate, it's been brilliant having you on. Thanks so much. Um, great stories there as well. Pleasure. Great to talk to you. <laughs> nice one, Thanks, mate. i see you on the golf course or in the middle of the crease. <laughs> Look forward to it. Nice to see you all. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye, bye. Bye. Thanks for that, Mark. You can watch more of our interviews on YouTube. Just search Seaman Says and subscribe. We'll be back on Friday as we look ahead to this weekend's matches. So we'll see you all then. This is a Listening Dog Media Production. Sports Social Podcast Network.